0: Today on Exploring the Prophetic, we have our guest, Leon Fontaine, who's the pastor of one of the largest churches in Canada, also the CEO of the Miracle Channel, which is Canada's premier Christian television station. I think it's our only Christian television station. And Leon has this deep experience of God. You don't start to lead on that level without having such an incredible encounter yourself with God and who he is. And he has had this framework that he's built to help the everyday believer live where their spirituality comes into a contemporary expression. He calls it spirit contemporary, but he's seen miracles on such a dramatic level, especially when he was a paramedic right before being a pastor. He grew up a a pastor's kid and a minister's kid and then uh, went into obviously being a paramedic, and would hear God how to orchestrate that career. And it was so profound that he, as he moved over into full-time ministry, he used the same principles of seeing God in the everyday. I mean, even seeing resurrection, seeing God tell him where to go on the scene when he'd show up when there's a tragic accident. And I'm going to ask him some big questions today about that because he's seeing thousands of believers engage their faith, really hearing God, but seeing practical transformation in the world around them. So I'm super excited to talk to him. It's going to be an amazing interview. He's He's already a television host, already knows how to do this. He's the pro, so it'll be really fun to talk to him because he's already ready for us. But we did this in a live audience in Canada, in Winnipeg, his home uh, city where his church is based. He has a couple different ministry bases, but that's the main one. And so we did it there, and it was so amazing to have him in front of a live audience of people who really deeply know him and got to hear some of these stories maybe for the first time. So join us today on Exploring the Prophetic. Breakthrough has become such a buzzword, and I'm going to take it out of being a buzzword and understand that it's one of the names, one of the ways that God presents himself to the world, that he's the God who breaks through. And when he says this two times in the Bible, especially Micah 2.13, it is not just a title. It's the way that he's named in that situation. hes It's his name. It's how you call upon him, the God who breaks through, or the breaker God. And I love this because in every industry we have breakthrough, we have it in science and and acting parts and you know, and enemy lines and war and, and, and soldiers. But the church needs to understand breakthrough because when breakthrough comes, when God comes as breakthrough, we have before and after moments where the enemy starts to look so small compared to the large mass that he takes up right now. We start to see him as who he truly is, a man without authority, now that Jesus has stripped him on the cross. So I wrote this book, Breakthrough. It's gonna give you just a little teaching, but really it's about prophecies, prayers and declaration over 12 areas of your life. So family, health, mental health, relational turmoil, business, finances, transition, warfare, all these different areas. And you're going to be able to apply a prophecy, a prayer, and a declaration over each area. And this book is a powerful prayer book, a powerful declaration book. We'll have prophecies that aren't fortune cookie prophecies, but are really specific based on the word of God for your life right now and based on words that God gave me for you. And I believe that you're going to love this book. We've already had incredible feedback. It's hit the top charts in Christianity. And so we've been able to hear a lot of people's immediate responses, unlike other books we've done, where it takes a while to hear how has this affected you. People are saying, I read this chapter and it applied it immediately, and heaven showed up. Breakthrough came, which is Jesus Christ himself. So I'm gonna encourage you, get this book. It's everywhere books can be sold. You can get it from our website as well, bowlsministries.com. But this is gonna be a book you treasure and that you read over your family and your friends, and you have having a powerful encounter with God. My friend Leon Fontaine is here. So, Lynn, come on up. We're going to come all the way over here. Thank you so much for being here. The, the interview master right here. Well, wow, this is, this is like your city. I mean, it's so great to be able to be with you and your turf. I, I came here once to be on your show, and I so yeah. enjoyed it. Yeah. And uh, you have the ability to create conversation and narrative, not only for Canada, but just for Christianity. And you've so impacted my life with contemporary Christianity, just understanding how to be relative, understanding how to relate and bring really transformation culture to the world around us. And so I was so impacted the first time I met you, I got all your materials and um, went home and just did kind of some studying and, you know, you can go to someone's school when they've been touched by God. Like I felt like I went to Leon Fontaine school for a minute and then you came out, and we did some stuff in uh, L.A. Irvine area with TBN. And then uh, this is our third time together. But in between, yeah. we've texted here and there, and we just really—I'm yeah. glad that um, you've you told me your background. The first time we met, sometimes when you're in the TV world, you meet like for five seconds, and then you just go out on set and you go. But every time we've been together, it's like we just—we can't help but talk. And so you've told me your background and your history, yeah. and it's so full of what a lot of Charismatics and Pentecostals would say, you know, like extreme Pentecostal stories, but the way you've manifested like your career and your ministry is so relative and relevant to the world around us. And I love that because there's so many people who if they just had the right language and understanding of how to engage culture, we would have such a different impact as a church. But you're doing that right here in Winnipeg, throughout Canada, and so thank you. Thank you for being here.
1: Well, it was interesting the first time that we met, yeah, we, you had flown in to do the show on your book,
0: yeah, and uh, translating God. Was yeah.
1: translating God, and then we went in the back in the green room afterwards. And you know, we, we were doing a lot of guests. I think we would shoot five shows a morning with two or three guests, and we shot a bunch with you. But so the green room was kind of a place where people either relax or you click and you start to talk. Yeah, and you and I, we, I did the same thing as you. I got your stuff. I thought I like this man. I love his attitude. He's always smiling. I was raised with prophets. That was the guy that walks into the room with his eyes like this, and everybody shrinks because we're all thinking about what sins we've committed. Exactly. You know what I mean? <laughs> Is so, he going to call me out? <laughs> so you were a breath of fresh air. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well,
0: it's funny because we both grew up around the church, around ministries. Your parents were Pentecostal ministers. Yeah. And so you you grew up around some really profound ministry people coming in through town, yeah. and you saw the miraculous through them, and you saw... Um, a lot of different things that not many people get exposed to that regularly through your life Mm -hmm. and I know that that probably helped both shape you for the positive but it also probably learned from a lot of the mistakes. I remember someone gave me a word one time and said, Sean, you're going to be like an Elisha to the church movement and you're going to carry their bags basically and he said, but I want to tell you the bags isn't just good bags it's actually the baggage and you're going to learn how to carry the baggage out And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Uh, That's a parabolic word that I really could relate to. Because now through these years, I learned as much from the negative and the positive as I was moving forward, which is, to me, part of true discipleship. I want people to learn from my weakness and my strength. And I feel like you probably did that unconsciously growing up because you are around so much of the apostolic movement and Pentecostalism in Canada. And so take us on your journey some as far as where did you start?
1: I'll have to make a comment you were a great help to me in that area because all of us don't have great experiences yeah. in these areas. And I'd had a ton of really bad ones and uh, God had to really heal me up mm. and meeting you. It was just like the joy of the Lord is my strength and it's always flowing off of you. So I don't think I've, <laughs> well, and, and it takes one to know one. Cause
0: I feel like you dismantle and demystify and, and help. I, mean, I think of you when I think of you we 're just we 're having a party to celebrate each other i 'm sorry but uh, I think of you as one of the healthiest, safest pastors and ministry leaders because you just have such healthy th- theology, mm-hmm. such healthy relational expression. your children, one of your daughters is here, your children are here I mean, not all of them are here, but one of your daughters, but your children are healthy, your wife is healthy, like you you care about the important things, and yet you still have all the other stuff, too, that sometimes gets sacrificed. Either you sacrifice the charismatic supernatural stuff or you sacrifice the family stuff, typically. And I feel like you've just created such a great balance between the two. And it's just... It was so encouraging, again, when we first met, because both of us were on a journey of looking. I'm like, I'm looking more into, like, how do we do mainstream touch culture, all this stuff, but not compromise on some of the things, promises God's giving us or the things he's telling us. And you're looking at it going, you know, I'm already doing all that, but I, you know, there's this place of, like, embracing more of the language or maybe some of the stuff that I have in my life. So it's been a fun combination. It, it, I think the thing
1: that impacted me the most growing up was I had two parents who my dad was healed in a Branham meeting Oh wow! Uh, in Canada. Uh, I mean, he was 15 dying. He had a few months to wow. live. Healed off his deathbed, walked home. And uh, from that point, his entire family, in-laws, out-laws, all came to know Christ. And he had such a passion for the miraculous. It just never left him. That's amazing. And, and he told me, he's in heaven with Jesus today, but he, he would just tell me stories of that. And then, Growing up with him, he was a risk taker. Wow. And uh, he'd be driving with me and go, Leon, I have to pull into that house right there. Oh, wow. And I'd go, what are you talking about? He'd knock on the door and he'd simply say, you know, hey, I'm Cam Fontaine. How you doing? And he had a way of just chatting and saying, you know, I'm just a pastor nearby. And sometimes I just sense someone here needs, and he would talk about what? And one time he said that someone here is dying. Wow. And that I was supposed to stop. And that day, the son had just brought the dad home to die. They gave up to die.
0: Oh my gosh. And he went
1: in and administered to him. My mom had five boys. I was one of them, <laughs> God mom bless and dad. Her. And she would operate in words of knowledge, like if my brothers brought in dope, a few of them had some hard, rough times for a while. And uh, so they would bring out a bag of dope or some stuff, and they would hide it in the house. Yeah. We'd be at the supper table, and mom would just go, which one of you boys brought something into my house? That
0: is amazing. She knew it.
1: And so she would get up and she would walk. Like one time she walked in the basement. We have basements in Canada where we have these ceilings that are tiled. She would walk right to the exact tile in a huge basement, grab a chair, push that (laughs) tile up, reach in, grab the dope. And while one of my brothers going, no, 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 she'd be flushing it down the toilet. Do you ever bring it in my house again? And so... I saw, and Can then you
0: imagine like, just think about like having a prophetic mom I, my mom was a little bit like that, but that's, that's
1: scary. <laughs> so you couldn't tell me <laughs> that God wasn't real. Yeah. And there's lots of other stuff that I didn't like about church that I swore I'd never be in ministry. But, um, so I had a chance to watch, and of course, they would also do the pulpit stuff where church would worship, presence of God would just and in that time, we would see the gifts of the spirit in yeah. operation. Healings, words of knowledge, words of wisdom. I mean, sometimes things that were so incredible, but I saw that on a regular basis. So I learned to, and when I was a pastor, to do these worship and miracles nights. But now they're so big, you haven't got time to do everybody yeah. where you're going to lay hands in ministry. Yeah. So, but I like the fact that my mom and dad both operated in the gifts of the Spirit. Um, when they were around with no band, no choir, no people, just in the midst of stuff. And that was my passion when I was in that paramedic time, was just, okay, God, how can I transfer what goes on in the church into the ditches? Well, let's go there, because
0: you became a paramedic, and you wanted really to see our God of all the universe, actually, whatever you saw in the church, actually happen in real life, in real time. Yeah. Like, that was a real passion of yours. Like, this has to be real here, too. So, because you saw, I mean... This is wild. He saw resurrections while he was a paramedic, which you talk about in one of your stories, but I don't even know if all your church members know that because you don't talk about it like every day. It's not like you're, and then, you know, it's some Pentecostals, they tell their same stories like every day, <laughs> I know. you know, and it's like you're, you're going after something. So a lot of times people have to hear you a lot before they hear your stories, before they hear some of the journey you've been on with God that has formed this incredible ministry and this TV presence well, let's talk about that, those paramedic years because they were so key and critical. Yeah.
1: Um, I think that, uh, I'll just tell a story. In, a, in that story, I'll show you some of the things. Being a born-again, spirit-filled believer in a place where all you have is need, death, dying, yeah. sickness, mental illness, mental breakdowns, losing someone and just freaking out, and you're a paramedic, and you know how to minister to all that, with the presence of God, right? You know how to pray, calm them down, see healing, you know what words to speak, share Christ with them, but you're doing it in front of doctors. Mm. And you're gonna get fired the second you do it. Yeah. So you have to become covert. And twice I was called up on the carpet saying that, you know, this is going on your permanent work record. And the reason <laughs> oh, was yeah. I had shared my faith with somebody. HR, uh, <laughs> HR. So I had to learn. And out of that came this spirit contemporary not And it just simply meant that we want to be spiritually alive, but contemporary and relevant based on where we are. Yeah. Because if God's going to do something extreme and wild and, and shut you, I mean, he's going to do it. But people would try to help him out with it. Yeah. And so I would do things like stay prayed up. And when I was a, when I was a supervisor, if I went to a massive accident scene with vehicles and bodies everywhere, um, I had learned, I had kind of created triggers in my life. And you know, I've never talked about this, but it's where I had spent so much time every day, just get alone with God, alone with God, alone with God, that that sense of just sensing him, I can get there quick. Hmm. And so I'd step out of an ambulance uh, if I was supervising, and I'm looking around, and I mean, trying to maximize survivors was crazy. And yeah. so I would just, just just as Holy Spirit, I just need you. And I would just kind of go to that place in my devotion times. I could do that on the highways, That is so good. And then this kind of greater awareness, I could tell stories of, you know, one time we had a tow truck and a car was on its side, a body, a man was hanging through the wind and and it was all glassed up. And so the paramedics were on it. I was supervising. I was talking to the tow truck. We had fire there. We had police there. So I'm across the scene and I'm just, I'm always like... This is so bad, but can I just say it? Like, it's like a spidey sense. You know what yeah. I mean? It's <laughs> no, like, totally. sorry to all the people. Who, it's like there's an awareness <laughs> everywhere. I love that. And all of a sudden, while my back to one of the cars, it was just bam, instantaneously. Wow. No, stop. And I turned around. They had a body collared up, ready, and they were going about to roll it off the stomach onto a backboard. And, they, and they're brilliant people, but I knew there was something wrong. I screamed across this, stop! just like that and I went running over and of course they're all they're looking like I'm crazy I'm saying don't move, them, don't move them don't move them and I slipped on a pair of gloves and his body had come through the front windshield and it had so I put my arms around and one of the things you do is you scan for blood before you yeah. move a body or a person that's alive and so I scanned for blood I didn't feel any blood like they didn't but I just knew so I put my hands right around his stomach said roll them and he had a gash from one end of his stomach oh. to the other, completely through to the intestines. And so if they would have rolled him, even though they had done a good job of mobilizing the neck and all that, uh, it would have left all of his intestines, sorry for all the women that are here, um, there in the wreck. Wow. And uh, when, so when we rolled him as a unit, we were able to quickly transport. He was out in a week of the wow. hospital. And so I love the fact that the, the, the gifts of the Spirit Uh, whether it's miracles, whether it's God getting your attention, whether it's talking to somebody, that we've got to move it out of the church. Yeah. And we want everybody in their jobs, raising your kids, uh, doing, you know,
0: contracts, sales. Holy Spirit's our helper in everything we do. That's so good. And I think, you know, we do these, like, prophetic advance trainings at times. Yeah. And we'll have, like, FBI agents there and investigators. FBI agents, they can't use intuition, which means they can't use the prophetic because you have to prove why you're thinking the way you're with their methodological research and the whole thing. And so one of, one of my friends, he's like, I I hear God and I know I'm supposed to use it, but then I have to go through a process and trust God to give me the process to prove it before I can actually use it for these murder cases. So it's really interesting when you're dealing with HR and you're dealing with public environments and places where a lot of people think prophecy as a gift for the church just for prophetic evangelism, just like money is a gift just to build bigger buildings or whatever. But it's really, when you look at Solomon as a prototype of somebody who, he built this incredible kingdom with a government infrastructure that was prophetic, with a a judicial system that was prophetic. So people came from all around the world just to watch it. And it reminds me so much of St. Francis where he said, I preach Christ daily and sometimes I use words. It's that thing of (laughs) being prophetic isn't necessarily verbal. Yes. Being supernatural isn't necessarily something that you actually even tell the story of, and that the story is the most relevant point. It's actually being something that the world goes, How are you doing that? How is there that result? How did that guy's life get saved? And, and it, it's as much of a seed sowing thing as it is a harvesting thing. But I think we've been taught a certain, you know, like a lot of you, when you think of the prophetic, you might think of like Darren Wilson movies where Todd White runs out and chases someone down the road. And then, like Jeremy joked around about introverts, I'm a little bit introverted. So I'm like, I don't want to talk to all the strangers in the whole world, nor is it my main <laughs> gift. But I do. I mean, I actually talk to a lot of strangers, but it's not like. Yeah. I have to come out of myself to do that more. But man, there's things that God gives me ideas for that demonstrate his nature that's just as profound as being verbal. And so I love what you're saying because I feel like there's a lot of people who've misunderstood prophecy gifts as being just a verbalized from a platform or a ministry time to give you a word. But it's actually the nature of God revealing something to you to become and manifest or do so that the world around you can be, you know, in relationship to him.
1: Yeah, I like that because I would... I would sense in my life that I stopped trying to figure out which gift it was that was working through me as though you had to know. Yeah. And I would just say, Holy Spirit. And there were times where, like, you know, you got word of knowledge, word of wisdom, and then prophecy that I would speak to someone, but I could sense this heaviness on me. Mm -hmm. I didn't say anything they didn't already know, but the words that I spoke. Can I give you an example? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the police have me on, and they'll call me at times if they want someone to come in. And so they called me one time with a young man, and this and th- this man had was playing cards with his family. He had been drinking, doing drugs. He got mad, and he went and got his rifle and hosed down his whole family. Wow! Then they took him to jail, and oh uh, no, sorry. Then he took the rifle, ran out into the field, and tried to commit suicide. He put the rifle in his mouth, couldn't reach it. The family family member went and tackled him, called the police. They arrested him, brought him to the station, and I got this call. We've got a guy here who keeps talking about God. Could you, would you mind coming down and just talking with him? So I to the police station, uh, the offices were here, the cells were behind a glass, huge glass partition, and in there sitting on a chair is a young man freaking out. I mean, the words he's using, the cussing, the swearing, and there's a policeman behind him and one to the side just to kind of control him from self-hurting while they're processing him. And so I said, what's going on? They said, he hosed his entire family down with guns wow. and he missed every of them, one, didn't touch one of them. Wow. And he said, then he thought he had killed them. So that's when he ran into the field, tried to commit suicide, and he couldn't. And so they tackled him. They said, but he's not in his right mind. We can't even talk to him. We can't explain anything to him. Uh, They said, he's just screaming, the foulest language you could imagine. And he's like thrashing and hitting, and and these two were doing everything they could to kind of control him. And they said, but he does say God once in a while. I said, well, if you remove the police, if you remove the policeman, I'll come in there. I said, we can't remove the policeman. He said, he's too dangerous. He said, no, I'm not going in there unless you guys come out. You can watch through the window. If you watch through the window, I said, I'll talk with them. All right, but be careful. So they took him out, and the police walked out, and you're looking at me like, this: Who's this? You know? And so I walked in there, and as I'm walking up to him, I'm saying, Okay, God, I don't want him to attack me. All right, so what? I, but as I got closer, just stepped out in faith, this. You can call it whatever you want. This weightiness settled on me. Mm. And he didn't show me anything about his past, his future. He, I just walked him up, and I looked him right in the eye. And he's, he's literally here. He's got spit dripping everywhere. Wow. His eyes are crazy. And I think he's had a nervous breakdown. Yeah. I think he's completely gone. And they're going to take him. And I looked at him, and the only thing I said was, everybody is okay. Well, they've been telling him that for a long time. But the second it came out of my mouth, he just, he just, just stopped. I said, listen, you missed everybody. And me telling him, he listened and understood. And his mind came back. Wow. And that's what I mean when I say that it doesn't mean, like you said, that you have to have so it could just be that you're sharing and the presence of God yeah. is prompting you and the words you're saying to him that everyone else has said is so impactful as Holy Spirit wow. is driving it in. And he was gave his life to Christ in front, you know, in front of everybody, prayed with them, talked to them about what to do next. I said, dude, you know, you're good. you got a lot of a court time, I know. And so we just then he got up and he, he gave me a hug, and we're kinda of hugging, and I'm giving a hug. And then I got this funny feeling. And I looked over my shoulder there's like six police officers looking through this, <laughs> this,
0: this black partition like this. So
1: we don't, have, you know, as we develop in the gifts, like I love the development of the word of knowledge and things that God is, and others that God is using you in. But if we wait till we get that kind yeah. of
0: thing, we won't just go with a nudge. We won't just go with, just go talk to them. That's why it's love-based, like something inside of you that compelled you it had to have been God's love. Because, I mean, you went in as a father. You went in as somebody who actually cared. Most people would just say, let the guy die. Let him just go to jail. But something in your spirit, something in your heart, like I love that about when you know God that way and you actually have a faith for this guy's outcome to be different. And you have thousands of those stories. But... That's such a beautiful story because most people, even Christians, I mean, I even know chaplains who wouldn't have gone in there, or who would have just written him off and said, he's crazy, he had the break. But there's those moments where if God shows up, everything can change. And that's, you know, we don't necessarily live for those moments. We live for God being with us all the time, but those moments happen, and I love that so much. Well, define me, as you were going along then in this journey, when did the contemporary spirit thing come? Like, define it a little bit.
1: Um, it never hit me until... Uh, well, it actually was a very specific moment. I was yeah. in a call out to the beaches, uh, out by Grand Beach in Winnipeg, uh, to, a, to an accident that was called in. We were the first one on the scene. I was a paramedic at the time. And, and uh, so it was three in the morning. We found a car that had phoned it in. There's a car upside down in the ditch. Wow. And uh, so when we shone our side lights on, it just lit everything up. And it was horrible because there was children involved. A mom mm-hmm. hanging upside down in the seat. And once we sure turned the lights on, she could see what had happened to her family. Mm. And uh, and so I'm walking into this, and it was late Sunday night when we just had a worship miracles night with teams, and we still do those. I love them, but I said, God, we try to worship and praise. Ushers try to control the kids. You know, we try to. Create this atmosphere of miracles, and I said, I can't do that because I mean, that my partner was cussing and swearing, trying to get the packages out. The other person's freaking and yelling at Esther, Hurry up! I can hear sirens in the distance. There's nothing meditative about the scene of an accident, it is out of hand. And I just said, God, if there's ever a place I needed the gifts of the Spirit and help her, Holy Spirit, it's in these times, yeah. And that began where how could a mom? hear from Holy Spirit to raise kids? How could a dad behind in sales and not making the bills, how would Holy Spirit help him? And now we can pray, but I really believe that this whole issue of Holy Spirit is our helper, like it doesn't say Holy Spirit is our leader. Now we know he leads us. It's just the word helper kind of teaches us that you have to take the lead. You have to choose, but if you do, you have, I mean, a, a person of the Trinity, Holy Spirit, uh, gonna work with you. And uh, so that is when I began to realize I've learned to operate in the gifts in a church with worship and praise, everything's controlled. But here I was as a young man in the midst of, I mean, there was blood in the water and bodies and, and, and a woman crying. And that was the day, I remember the very day, I said, I'll learn. And then from that point wow. on, I began to practice praying for the sick. I would practice at scenes, sensing if there was something I'm not seeing so I get a word of knowledge or administer to people that way. that 's where it started anyway.
0: That's so awesome. And it was probably very stealth. like no one knew you were doing that, but then there would be no. these moments. And what would happen when there was a moment of fruit though, like when somebody like would your partners or people ask you, what is this what 's going on? Um, you know what? I could
1: story after story after story, as I begin to practice this, I stopped getting into trouble because I recognized that the manifestation of what Holy Spirit was doing through me, that it wasn't my gift. The gift, this gift of the Spirit, word of knowledge, gifts of healings, was going to somebody, but flowing through me. And then, although I love everybody here, I'll, I never have to give them my self-worth. I don't have to prove my self-worth. Yeah. I'm free, and I found that when I did that personally, that I could hear God so much clearer. Yep. And then when I would minister to people, um, you know, if it didn't go real well, then I'm really down on myself because my self worth was coming from what I was achieving or performing. Yeah. And when it's
0: locked out of that, I don't know. Does that make sense to you? Is Absolutely. It, I mean I'm just seeing like so many people are in the performance gerbil wheel because they don't yeah. have healthy identity. That's why and I was attracted to
1: you, because you had this joy about you. It didn't matter who was in the room. You were never trying to one up or do anything. You were just enjoying and I and I sensed immediately in my spirit I mean I I don't know if I've told you this, but it's so true that that we're everybody, God uses us differently, but there was an ease in you about you. And then I knew right away that you're a safe person.
0: Hmm. Well, (laughs) (laughs) of course you are, but anyway. No, I appreciate it. We're just going to compliment each other a little bit more, (laughs) and then we're almost done here. But uh, because I I feel I, I have to return the compliment that I, when you're in places where there's people who tend to have high ego, um, or people of have high value to society or whatever, whether it's in entertainment industry, business leaders, ministry leaders, all kinds of different areas. Um, typically, there's things that happen like a pecking order, a hierarchy, or people force attention, you know, or, or just because of their position or, or what they've accomplished. And I feel like the kingdom is so opposite than that. Yeah. And the kingdom's like, sure, you can be more annoying than me. I love that. Like, I lo- Jesus said, you'll do greater things than me. He didn't have ego in what the performance was. He had connection to God and who God and his relationship was. So I was raised in an environment where I wasn't just getting trophies for performance. My parents were saying, we want you to feel loved and that what you do is important, regardless of if it's more important or less important than someone else. Like just who you are is important, and then what you do will be important. So I think the significance thing was answered when I was young, and I feel the same thing with you. There's like a significance journey that you've overcome a long time ago. But what's beautiful about that is when when you build that causes people to build with that same... They're not on guard. They're not like trying to figure out where they fit into your world mm-hmm. and how they become a cog in your machine. Mm-hmm. They actually don't get to be celebrated by being a cog in the machine. They get celebrated by being themselves. Yeah. And so thank you for doing that. Thank you for doing it for Canada, for the TV channel, the, the network you're running with, Miracle Channel. And thank you for doing it with the, the churches you're building. And thank you for doing it with the resources Because you really are modeling something that I think is... You guys, I believe Canada's on the precipice of a, of a move of God, like a, a, a revival that doesn't look like a traditional revival. I really Amen. believe that, and thank I think you. you're one of the voices that's keeping it focused. Yeah. And so, think. Last question: What is the most risky thing recently that you felt like God asked you to do that you actually did?
1: <laughs> I can't talk about the newest one because I had to sign NDAs, but I'll talk, <laughs> but I'll talk about one that. Well, we were in Winnipeg here, and the church was growing. We're doing multiple services. We have other cities. Um, God put it in our heart uh, to put a church in Calgary. And so Sal and I are praying and just talking about it, and Sally says to me, don't you hate how women hear from God first half the time?
0: Most of the time. <laughs> That's so and true. So I have says, that wife. I have it. yes. She hears God way more than I
1: do. Yeah. She says, we should go do it. Wow. I said, Are you kidding me? Nobody gets up and moves away from a megachurch. Are you? What? She goes, Leon. I want to go. And that shocked me to my core. And as I began to pray and think about this, I felt the same way. And so what was interesting was, you know, the way we have multi-sites now, churches can really plant and have oversight and do well. We could have sent someone there. We have great people. And uh, we up and we told the church, we're moving. We're moving to Calgary, and God has told us to plant the church. We're going to stay the past senior pastors here. We have lots of pastors trained, um, and, I, and I spent a long time. Like, I've under, I understand transition. It took me six, I, for six months. I talked transition. Why, why, how, how, not yeah. one, but it doesn't matter. People left in the hundreds, Wow. as they said. Leon's leaving. He's looking for a better city. He's not coming back, and that was 12 years ago. And uh, I have been in the air every week at least twice since wow. then, wow. keeping my word. And you know what, what? In doing that, there's now, we finally got our first campus in Calgary. And, uh, and it's at triple services. So we're looking at right now at a few hundred thousand square foot buildings, and we need, we need a big campus there. But by going there, we established this. It caused all the other leaders around me in Winnipeg to rise up. It was a force. That's amazing. And then, now, when we moved there, some miracles took place where I ended up someone handing us a Miracle Channel, which was a network that was bankrupt. And it was there is no other station like this one. Yeah. And we're not going to get another license. And when they came to me and said, and we picked that thing up, we had to turn it around as well. And that would never have happened if we wouldn't have moved. And they told me, the the chairman of the board of the television station said, we watched what you did, and we watched the business side of the church, quote unquote, where how you manage, how you lead, how you administrate, and how you even came here to Calgary. And then we knew, and they carte blanche. And then in the course of about a year to two years, transitioned everything over. And uh, they said, we don't think, you know, the staff that were there said, we don't think it's gonna work. Um, TV shot its best shot. Um, and since then, we have gone across Canada on so many things around the world. I think we're in five languages now. That's amazing. And Go uh, and so oh, Canada! That, that, <laughs> that decision That's amazing. scared me. Yeah, I felt like what we had laid our lives down for, if I make a stupid decision, and it all blows away, how will I answer to Jesus for this? I better make sure mm-hmm. I heard from him. And so there's lots of... Crazy things, but the breadth of that decision and what it meant if I was wrong yeah. uh, gave me a
0: lot of sleepless Christians, nights. We, we have the hardest job because we don't ever get to just coast. Like if things get good and we don't just coast on it like retirement plan, you know, it's like things get good and God's like, hey, I have a, I have a, a, a thing to throw at you. <laughs> and I love that you obeyed. Thank you so much for telling that story because people sometimes hear the fruit or they see you as a public figure, but they don't know the price you paid. Mm-hmm. So thank you for paying the price for Canada and for the world. And good thanks for being obedient to God and just for who you are. I'm glad you're my friend. We got a chance to talk and battle plan. Yeah, we're in doing it. The the future. Future. We're going to do it. Thank you. (laughs) Have you been enjoying Exploring the Prophetic? Well, you can enjoy it even more by becoming a partner with Bulls Ministries. Everything we're doing with our podcast is made possible by our incredible partners and financial contributors to our ministry. They are helping us to bring the equipment, to upgrade everything we're doing, to have the time and space to do this. It's a free offering we give to you. Maybe you're listening in your shower. Maybe you're listening in your car, your workout. Well, I want to continue to do this. I'm going to continue to have these incredible guests tell their prophetic process of how God's spoken to them so you can get a vision of how God speaks to you. And also so that other people all around the world can have this resource at their fingertips from their smart device, their computer, their YouTube, whatever they have that they will have this this incredible resource. So go on the partnership journey with us. As a partner, you're going to receive an email and communication every month from us. We resource you with a partnership page that has literally dozens and dozens of messages that only of our partners have. We also have partnership contribution back to you where we actually give resources. You guys get stuff first. Usually at Christmas time, we have a new book come out. You guys get it before everybody else, and you get it signed. I love our partnership program. I love being on a journey with our partners because they are some of our, they're a team, they're our family. They're the ones who are contributing to make this happen. Come be a partner today. Go to bowlsministries.com under giving and membership and you will become a partner.